Hey, this is Rodney Gage. I'm the pastor of Rethink Life Church in Orlando, Florida, and this is our podcast. Thank you so much for checking it out today. I hope it encourages and inspires you to live with a new perspective, make better choices, and have a greater impact with your life. Here's today's message. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today online here at Rethink Life Church. And as always, it's an honor to have you join with us. And I'm joined by some of our team and some of our uh, some of our friends and family. We would love to just welcome you officially. So team, would you please welcome them for joining us today here at Rethink Life Church. And man, I am so excited about this, uh, really this particular message that we're going to be talking about today, but really for this entire series of messages, because we're going to be taking a journey together. We're calling it the Rethink Life Experience. And I just want to pause here and say that if you have a friend, a neighbor, maybe a coworker, maybe somebody that God has just placed in your heart, and you've often said to yourself, you know, I just wish I could get so-and-so to go to church with me, or I wish I could just find out a way of really impacting their life and giving them hope and encouragement, because there's a lot of people that need hope and encouragement now more than ever. Well, let me tell you how you can impact their life. It's as simple as simply clicking those share buttons. And I just want to invite you right now before we even dive into today's message to go ahead and click those share buttons. Hey, send an invite. You may even want to text a friend and say, hey, watch today's message because it really is going to be a life-giving message that I am praying that God's going to use, not only speaking to your life, but it's going to give hope. It's going to give life. It's going to give encouragement to those who need it to most. And really, who couldn't use a little, a little life-giving help and encouragement because we all need it, especially now more than ever. And that's the reason why we're beginning this journey. We're calling it the Rethink Life Experience. And, you know, Michelle, my wife and I, we actually wrote a book a number of years ago, and it's actually called Rethink Life. And we're going to let you know how you can actually get a copy of that here in a few moments. But let me just say this. Little did we know, in fact, Honestly, I mean, never in our wildest imagination when we actually wrote the book and what God put in our hearts at that time, little did we ever imagine that we would actually be facing a global pandemic as well as even a cultural crisis that in many ways has forced the entire world to virtually stop and rethink a lot of things in their life. And maybe you've gone through that in recent months because of the global pandemic, because of so many things that really has been, that we've been confronted with in our culture and society. And I think if anything, what it's done is that it has really challenged our beliefs. It's really challenged our sense of value, values, and it's really challenged in many ways just kind of how we live our lives and ultimately how we see others. In other words, it's really impacted our perspective on a life. And that's really what we're going to be learning. We're going to be learning, in fact, over the next few weeks, we're going to unpack really what it means to shift our perspective, make better choices, and have a greater impact with our lives. And so when you think about all the things that perhaps that you have encountered, that maybe you know people that you know have experienced or encountered in their lives, chances are they've been rethinking some things. It could be their job. It could be a relationship, a 
marriage. It could be, you know, a health situation. It could be, you know, just some fears and concerns about the unknowns of the future. There's a lot of things that people are processing in a lot of areas of life that a lot of people have been rethinking. But here's what I know to be true. What I know to be true is that there's absolutely nothing in all the world that will force anybody to literally stop in their tracks like tragedy and trials in our lives. You know, there's just something about when tragedy and trials that we face, when they strike, it literally stops our world. It forces us to rethink a lot of things, especially those things that really matter the most. I'll never forget really one of those moments that occurred in our life and as our family experienced a test and a trial and like we'd ever experienced was actually with our youngest son, Luke. It was about eight years of age when he went through something that at the time we didn't quite understand or even know what was impacting him physically. But long story short, it, it, it really showed up around the age of eight or nine when he was playing baseball in Little League, having the time of his life doing things that little boys enjoy doing and being with friends and running and jumping and, and playing sports and all those good things. But one day we noticed that something was different and he was complaining. And in fact, it was consistent in, in the form of his complaints and the pain that he was suffering in his hip that was going all the way down his leg that was also causing him to limp. And we didn't know if he had gotten hit with a baseball. We didn't know what had happened. And so after a series of doctor's appointments and after being misdiagnosed on multiple occasions, there was an orthopedic friend of ours who invited us to come over to his home one Sunday afternoon, and we sat Luke down literally in the living room floor of this medical doctor's home, and he did some examinations on Luke, and he said, I have a hunch I know what it is, and here's what I believe it is, and the doctor said, I believe it's something known as Perthes, and he said, what's interesting, he said about one out of every 10,000 children are diagnosed with this very rare disease that isolates itself in the hip. And basically what that means is, is the bone that, you know, the, the femur of there, the, the, the ball, if you will, of the femur begins to become like chalk and it begins to disintegrate. And it can have all kinds of long-term ramifications and repercussions in one's life. Long story short, after multiple doctor's visits, he was able, our son Luke was able to qualify for a clinical trial. But little did we know that that clinical trial would force our son Luke to be in a wheelchair for nearly three years. And when we pushed our son that day out of Shriners Hospital in Tampa, Florida, with our son Luke that day in the wheelchair, Michelle and I pushing him and our two other daughters at the time, we knew in many ways that our lives and his life potentially may never be the same. And you know what it did that day? Here's what it did. It shifted our perspective because it suddenly forced us to stop and really begin to reevaluate and more specifically rethink really about what that was going to mean to his life, the adjustments that not only he would have to make, but really us as a family would have to make in this season in his life. Well, I'm here to tell you, and I have good news to report, that today, my son, our son Luke, who is now just being used of God as an adult to make a tremendous impact on so many people's lives through his music and all the gifts and talents that God has given him with, 
Guess what? Today he is totally healed. And now today he's able to live and to walk and to run and to jump and do all the things that any of us obviously would enjoy being able to do. And that's just the healing power. And that's just the favor of God that obviously he can place upon your life, upon my life, as he did our son Luke's life. But let me tell you what it does. It's like a window into our very souls. Because when we go through, there's just something about tragedy. There's something about trials. There is something about going through the hardships and the difficulties of life that really does affect us. And it does force us to ultimately to stop and sometimes make necessary changes that otherwise we may have never made. And so with that in mind, here's what I want to share with you, because I believe in the last really six and a half months, especially during this global global pandemic uh, with COVID-19 and, and now more recently because of the cultural crisis that we've been facing in our country, again, what it's done is it's forced a lot of people to ultimately rethink what they believe, what they value, and ultimately how they live their lives and how they even see other people. You know, one day, Jesus was actually gathering with his disciples. In fact, my family and I, not too long ago, had the opportunity and the distinct privilege of standing near this very place that Jesus preached his famous sermon that was known as the Sermon on the Mount. It's found in Matthew chapter 5 and Matthew chapter 6 and Matthew chapter 7. And it's a beautiful setting. It's on a hillside that really just overlooks the Sea of Galilee. And, you know, in my mind, I could just visualize that day when Jesus was talking to his disciples and the crowd of people that were gathered there on that hillside. And really what Jesus was doing is he was giving his disciples, in many respects, kind of like a code of ethics, Almost, almost like life principles that he wanted them to not just know and understand, but more importantly, to be able to live out in their lives so that their lives could make a greater impact on the world at large. And so with that, he began to share an illustration. And after he was giving a lot of details, he began to basically summarize some things that he was describing. And here's what he said in Matthew 7, verses 13 and 14. And I'm going to read what is referred to as the Amplified Translation. And it goes like this. Jesus said that we are to enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad and easy to travel is the path that leads the way to destruction and eternal loss. And there are many who enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow and difficult to travel is the path that leads the way to everlasting life. And there are few who find it. So in essence, what Jesus was basically illustrating is that there are two paths, there are two roads in life. There is that broad road. And what's interesting is that the broad road represent, really represents our current society. It's our current culture in which we live. And you know what's interesting is that the normal way of living, the normal way of thinking, the normal way of ultimately uh, demonstrating our values and our priorities is all packaged and represented through this broad road that Jesus was referencing. 
And it was a popular road. You know why it was popular? Because in many ways, it was the path of least resistance. It was the road from the outside looking in that must be right. And the reason why it must be right is because, wow, there's a lot of people on that road. And so what this road basically represents is it represents the temporal things of life. It, it, it represents the things that are popular. It represents the things that so many of us are attracted to because it's, in many ways, it's elusive. It's, it's, it's these promises that our society and our culture kind of like puts in front of us in so many different amazing and attractive ways that promises success. It, it promises love. It, it promises a a sense of, you know, happiness. And it promises all of these guarantees from their perspective that's going to make you happy. And here's what we've come to realize that what Jesus was emphasizing is that those that are living and walking down this broad road that may from the outside be looking in appear to be good and right. Because after all, if you measure success the way the world measures success, well, man, if you have a taste of success by the world standards are concerned, life is good, right? I mean, who needs God when life is good and you are having all of these things that the world has promised to bring satisfaction and happiness to our lives? But Jesus referenced another road, and that road was narrow. And he said the, the way to this road is also Narrow in the way that you enter because very few ever find that opportunity, that doorway, that path that ultimately leads to everlasting life. You see, what he was referencing was this. What he was referencing was the eternal things of life. He was referencing what's going to really matter, what's going to last for all eternity. And what he was basically saying to his disciples is this. He was emphasizing the fact that, hey, I'm not making promises, but what I am telling you on this road, I can guarantee. Because if you want to find joy, if you want to find forgiveness, if you want to find peace of mind, if you want to have a sense of eternal security and the security and the peace of knowing in your heart that you're going to spend forever in an eternal home called heaven, he said very few enter through that gate. Why? Because narrow is that road and very few people ever even find it. You know, what's interesting is that Jesus was making a very clear distinction between the things of this world and the things that ultimately, from an eternal perspective, is going to last forever. And I think what that does is it really forces us to stop and really begin to think about that broad road. Because maybe you have personally experienced in your own life, you know, that maybe through putting a lot of focus on your position, Maybe putting a lot of focus on your possessions. Maybe putting a lot of focus on popularity. Maybe putting a lot of focus on maybe people, those relationships that you thought you would find joy and fulfillment and maybe would make you complete and make you happy that you would live forever happy with, you know, as far as Mr. or Mrs. Right, that suddenly, you know, you realize that wasn't so right after all. Well, here's what happens. What happens is, is that so many people, they put their trust in a position. They put their trust in popularity. They put their trust in possessions. They put their trust in pleasure, even people. But Jesus is emphasizing that none of those things will ever truly satisfy what I can give you. And what I can give you can only be had 
experience can only be found and discovered through the narrow road. And here's what Jesus said. Jesus said in John 10, 10, I love this. He said, I have come that so that people can have real and eternal life more and better life than they ever dreamed of. In fact, in John 14, verse six, Jesus said it this way. He said, I'm the way and I'm the truth and I am the life and no one gets to the father. No one gets to heaven except through me. In essence, what he was telling everybody that day is that, hey, I'm the gate. I'm the door. I'm the way that you can enter into a relationship with me. And this relationship is going to lead you to a life of real joy and real fulfillment because you're going to know forgiveness and because ultimately you're going to spend forever with me in a home that I will be preparing for you. So what an incredible distinction that Jesus was helping his His disciples and that crowd of believers that day to really understand is that, hey, you really have two things that you need to think about or maybe put it this way that you need to rethink. And here are the questions. Who are you living for? Are you living for yourself or are you living for Christ? And then ultimately, what are you living for? Are you living for the temporal things of this world or are you living for the eternal things in life. You see, that's a big decision, and all of us at some point need to stop and rethink life's two most important questions. Who am I living for? And ultimately, what am I living for? So the question is, is how do you make the switch? How do you get off maybe the wrong road, that broad road, that that road that maybe from the outside looking in may be attractive and maybe you thought would make you happy if you have possessions, if you have the right people in your life, if you have the right position, you know, if you have all the pleasures that money can buy, if you have all those things, but yet maybe you've come to realize through your own personal experiences that those things don't quite measure up or satisfy like you thought they would. And can I just often, can I just take a moment and say this? There's nothing wrong with any of those things. Can I just add that? Because that's the, sometimes that's the deception of it all. There's nothing wrong with any of those things, but I'm here to tell you that none of those things in and of themselves can really bring lasting joy and fulfillment and meaning to your life. So let me just say this. What I've learned is that when tragedy strikes, when hardships come our way and we're forced to stop in our tracks, like many of us, like the whole world in many ways has been forced to do in recent months, it forces us to stop and rethink a lot of things, doesn't it? And it really should force us to ultimately ask those questions. Am I on the broad road or am I on the narrow road? Am Am I focusing on the temporal things of life that can easily be gone like that? Or... Is my life really focused on the eternal things, the things that's going to last forever? So today you may be asking the question, well, how do I how do I get off the wrong road and get on the right road? How do I how do I make this shift from that broad road to the narrow road that Jesus was talking about? Well, let me give you three things that I think will help you make that shift. And you ready? I I would encourage you to jot this down. The first is this, and that is you need to let God change your heart. You need to let God change your heart. That's really where it all begins. You know why? Because that's how you shift your perspective. You see, your whole perspective on everything in life will suddenly change when God changes your heart. Now, why is that so important? 
Let me tell you why that's so important. The reason why is because we were born with a heart condition. You say, wait a minute. Yes, I'm here to tell you, you were born with a heart condition. And you know what it's called? It's a, it's a heart disease called sin. Yeah. And here's the thing. What's interesting is that that sinful condition, that heart condition that we were born with is what deceives us. It's also what distorts our perspective in life. You know why? Because we don't see things as they are. We often see things as we are. And guess what? We're messed up, aren't we? Man, we've made a lot of mistakes, haven't we? I know I have. I can't speak for you, but I, I'll tell you this. Hey, I've made a lot of bonehead, what was I thinking decisions. Can I get an amen? I mean, I mean, I mean I'm guilty as, as, as the most guilty. Yeah. But here's what the Bible tells us. The Bible says in Jeremiah 17, verse 9, the human heart is most, deceit, is most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? What that tells me and really tells all of us is this. We all have a bent toward badness. You don't have to tell a toddler, okay? You don't have to tell a toddler. In fact, let me put it this way. You don't have to even uh, have children to realize you can just observe children. You go to Disney World, the happiest place on earth, <laughs> you want to see a lot of belly aching and crying and, crying and moaning and groaning and kids acting up, misbehaving. You want to see a lot of miserable parents that are unhappy. Well, let me tell you something. It's simply because it all comes out. Out, doesn't it? Yeah. Because you see, we all have a bent towards badness. In fact, Matthew 15 verses 19 through 20 says it this way. Jesus said, for out of the heart come evil thoughts and murder and adultery and sexual immorality and theft and false testimony and slander. These are what defile a person. So what's in you, listen to this, is going to flow out of you. That's why it's so important that we have to do a really just an examination of our own heart, of our own condition spiritually of where we are in our hearts. And we have to come to that place where we recognize and admit that, you know what, our heart is messed up. Our heart is corrupt. We do have a serious heart condition that sin has brought into our lives. No wonder I don't make sound or, or maybe wise decisions at time. And the reason why is because my vision and my perspective on how I even go about making decisions has been messed up. Why? Because those decisions have been driven by the wrong beliefs in my heart. Let me tell you something. Behavior is determined by our beliefs. And our conduct is revealed by our character. So if you want to change your behavior, we have to change our beliefs. Why? Because the mind justifies what the heart believes. That's why so many people get on that broad road because their mind is justifying. They're rationalizing. They're, they're trying to convince themselves that, hey, it must be right because everybody's doing it. Only to come to realize that, you know what, hey, it's not what I thought. So here's the thing. What we have to understand is this. We have to let God change us from the inside out. In other words, God wants to give us a new heart. God doesn't want you to stay where you are. He, he loves you too much to, help, to, to allow you to stay where you are. That's why he sent his one and only son, Jesus, to die for you. Why? Because he wants to give you a new heart. He wants to change you from the inside out. I love what Ezekiel 36 verse 26 says. And I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. And I will take away your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender responsive heart. Man, that's what God wants to do. He wants to remove that old 
heart that's been messed up, that has a bent towards badness, you know what he wants to do? He wants to replace it with a brand new heart. So very dear friends of ours that um, has a daughter that really is just one of those walking miracles. And the reason why is because when she was about 10, 11 years of age, um, she came down with a very rare heart disease. And at the time, of course, they didn't know it, but it happened to all come down on Christmas Eve where they rushed her to the emergency room and come to find out they learned through all the tests that they had done on her that she had a very serious heart disease. In other words, it was a virus that was attacking her heart. And they unfortunately had to tell the family that she could not only die, but the only way potentially she could live would be for her to have a heart transplant. And so all of this was going down. As a matter of fact, the medical doctor said the only real hope is for us to be able to get her a temporary heart. And it was known as a Berlin heart. Something very, very rare to even be able to have. And at the time, it wasn't even approved by the FDA. So it was a major risk. But she had fallen into a coma for eight Days before she was even put onto this Berlin heart. And the only purpose for that was just to keep her alive. She was on breathing machines, and it was the only thing keeping her alive. But this Berlin heart was there for four months inside of her, keeping her alive to buy enough time for her to get a heart donor. And you know the story. If you know anything about heart transplants, there has to be a perfect match, a perfect blood type. And so they were waiting, and they were hoping, and they were praying, and then suddenly they got the call. And it happened to be, it happened to be just in the nick of time. And after they ran through all the series of tests, here's what they confirmed. They confirmed that, listen, the donor is a perfect match, perfect blood type. Everything that Grayson is going to need, we have found, and we have a heart for her. Long story short, again, they were able to take this heart that was donated from someone who had lost their life. And through that perfect match, they were able to transplant that new heart. And they took away the old heart, which by the way, literally she held in the palm of her hand and it literally was turned to stone. They replaced that with a brand new heart. And today as a young adult, she's a walking, living, breathing testimony to the faithfulness of God. Let me tell you something that I believe Today, God wants to do in your life. He wants to give you a new heart. He wants to give you a heart transplant. And let me tell you how God is going to do it. You see, he's already taken care of the details. You know why? Because God has already proved and demonstrated to you and to me that while we had a messed up heart, while we had a serious sinful heart condition, the Bible says that God loved us. And while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You know what that means? Let me tell you what that means. That means that when Jesus died on the cross and he said, it is finished, and he spilt his blood for your sins and for mine, guess what? His 
blood that he spilled in Calvary's cross is the perfect blood type to remove all of the guilt, all the sin, all the shame in your life and mine. And guess what? Not only is it the perfect blood type, but guess what? Just like in real life, when someone has to die so that someone else can live, that's exactly what Jesus did for you and me. Jesus had to die so that you and I could live so that we could have a new heart and with that new heart be changed from the inside out so that we could see life with a new set of spiritual eyes to be able to see life from God's perspective so that we can ultimately live the life that Jesus said that we could have in John 10 10 that is a better life greater more amazing that we could possibly ever think of and that's exactly what the scripture promises us in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. I love this. Paul said, what this means is that those who become Christians become new persons. They're not the same anymore. For the old life is gone and a new life has begun. You see, when we receive a new heart and God changes us from the inside out, guess what? Now we have a new perspective. And now because we're seeing with a new set of spiritual eyes and we have this new perspective, you know what it allows us to start doing? Now it allows us to start making wise decisions, better choices. Why? Because now we're basing our decisions on a new set of beliefs that ultimately are going to change and transform our lives. You say, while the world is spending a lot of needless time and energy and money and resources trying to conform, God says, no, 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 no. What I want to do is I want you to be transformed. You see, the norm is to conform, but God says, I got a better way. I'm going to change you, I'm going to transform you from the inside out so that you can start making better choices with your life. And that's exactly what the second thing is. And that is this. We have to let God renew our minds because when we let God not just change our heart and give us a new heart, but ultimately so that we can renew our minds and make those better choices. Because in Romans 12 verse two, it says it this way. Paul said, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God train Transform you into a new person by what? By changing the way you think. Then, notice the outcome. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. I love that. Aren't you thankful that when God not only changes our heart, and not only does He give us a new perspective, So that we can see life with a new set of spiritual eyes and see things from God's perspective. Now, here's what he does. He gives us wisdom and he gives us revelation so that we can begin making better choices. So that we can live the life that brings real joy and fulfillment into our lives. And that's what this Rethink Life experience is going to help us do. Because here's what we're going to learn next week. We're going to learn how to change the way you think about yourself. Because if you don't get you you right, nothing else matters. You see, we got to start with you. In other words, impact starts with you. So if you want to have an impact in the world, guess what? You got to change the way you see yourself. 
Because again, we don't see things as they are. Often we see things as we are. And we need to shift our perspective and see ourselves the way God sees us. Because when that happens, then we understand what brings real joy to our lives. And then when we discover real joy to our lives, guess what? Okay, now we begin to make better choices through the priorities of our lives. And those priorities will help us make better decisions. And now those decisions, guess what, are going to allow us to surround ourselves by the right kind of people. And the right kind of people are going to position us to collect come together so we can make an even greater impact by giving our lives away so that other people can experience this good, pleasing, and perfect will that God has for their life. So here's what the scripture says in Philippians 2 verse 13. Paul said it this way, God will continually revitalize you in planting within you the passion to do what pleases him. So God is going to help you. And how does he help you? Through his wisdom, through his revelation, through his word. Guess what? God's will is found in God's word. So the more we get to know the word of God, the better we're going to get to know the will of God, which helps us make better choices in our life. So when we start making better choices in our life, guess what? Now we can make an even greater impact. How do we do that? Number three is by letting God use you. It's just simply saying, okay, God, now I understand because I have a new set of spiritual eyes and now my perspective has changed. I'm no longer living for the temporal things of life. Now my whole life revolves around the eternal things of life. Now the choices I'm making is allowing me as a set up for a greater impact so that everything that I do here and now doesn't just stay here. It's going to last and live forever and forever. You know, that's exactly what Ephesians 2.10 teaches us. I love this. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us a long time ago. You know what that means? Hey, God wants to restore us. And listen, he wants to now be able to use us to fulfill his original plan and purpose for our lives. I don't know about you. That just gets me fired up. It just helps me to know that, hey, God is a good God. He has a good, a pleasing, a perfect will. He has a good plan and a sense of purpose that, listen, nothing in this world can replace. So I want to close by asking you a question. What decision are you going to make? Because whether we realize it or not, most people in life at best, they might get, I don't know, who knows, 75 years. I mean, if you are like, you know, really healthy and you work out every day and, you know, you do all the right things, you might get a few extra, you know, a few extra bonus years. You know what I'm saying? But the average age is probably somewhere around that 75 year mark. But let me ask you a question. Let's say you spent the whole life living for the temporal. You spent your whole life on that broad road, that that path of least resistance, that one that promises the moon. And yet at 75 plus years of age, you realize that, you know what, when life comes to an end, all of those things that you work so hard to accomplish and ultimately achieve in life, it stays here. It's the temporal. It's here for a moment and then it's gone the next. I've never, I've done a lot of funerals in my life, but I've never, I've never seen a, a hearse with a U-Haul in the back being pulled to the graveside. I don't know about you. I've never seen that. That's supposed to be funny. Anyway, (laughs) the 
point of the matter is, is that we can't take anything with us from this world when we die. It stays here. But what if we shift our perspective and rather than living for the here and now and the temporal things of life, what if we move from living for, for the dot to ultimately living for the line, which represents eternity, which represents the things that are going to last forever and forever. Because at the end of the day, you and I, we're all going to live forever. Because God has set eternity in our hearts. We were made for eternity. But here's the thing. We're either going to spend eternity with Jesus or we're going to spend eternity without Jesus. We're either going to spend our whole life for the here and now, the temporal things, this dot, or we're going to spend our whole life for the eternal things that's going to last forever that Jesus Christ can bring about in our lives when we put our trust in him. So the question is this. It's the two questions that really, two questions that we asked a few moments ago, and that is, who are you living for? And ultimately, what are you living for? Are you living for, are you, are you living for yourself? Are you living a self-directed life or are you living a Christ-directed life? Are you living for the temporal things of life or are you living for the eternal things of life? You see, God wants us to shift our perspective so that we can make better choices, so that we can make a greater impact. How do we do that? By letting God change our heart. By letting God Listen, help us renew our minds and ultimately letting God use our lives for his glory. I want you, if you would, to bow your heads and your hearts in prayer for me, with me for just a moment. And as you're uh, just wherever you are in the quietness of this moment right there in your living room, or maybe you're in a car somewhere, could be in a hotel, who knows where you might be. But I just know wherever it is, I just want you to know that God is right there with you. And maybe today what you need to do is you just need to let go and let God accomplish his good and pleasing and perfect will for your life. And maybe today you've been on that broad road. You've been chasing a lot of things that this world has promised. And maybe you are a Christian, you're a believer, but yet you've you've bought into that deception. You've bought into a lot of the lies that our current culture and our society has tried to convince us to conform to only to leave you feeling confused and and empty and unfulfilled. And maybe it's time for you, if you're a Christian, to say, you know what, I'm tired of living the way I'm living. I want to get back to where God wants me to be. I want to renew my life. I want to renew my commitment. I want to renew. I need God to renew my mind. And more importantly, I just want to recommit my life back to him. And you can have that opportunity to do that right here, right now. Maybe today you thought for a moment and you said, you know what, hey, I've been living for that dot, the temporal things. I mean, I've tried everything. I've tried religion. I've tried everything. But unfortunately, I've never tried a relationship with Jesus. And today, that's what I need. I need him to literally change my heart and forgive me. Would you just bow your head and close your eyes in this moment and invite Jesus into your life? Just say, dear God, I confess to you that I'm a sinner. I turn from my sin. Jesus, I believe that you died on a cross and you arose again. And today I'm inviting you into my life to forgive me and to save me. Thank you, Jesus, for saving my soul. Hey, if you just prayed that prayer just then, I want you to do me a huge favor. Would you let me know? Would you text me on that number on the screen and just say, hey, I prayed the prayer. I want it to be known that I have 
shifted my perspective. Today, I decided. Just type in those words, I decided, to that number there on the screen. Shoot me a note because I want to celebrate with you. You just made life's greatest decision. And I believe with all of my heart, the best is yet to come. As we journey together and learn together, as we rethink life together through this Rethink Life experience. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And if you like what you're hearing, it would mean a great deal to us if you would consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. You can click on the share button, take a screenshot, and share it on your social stories. And be sure to tag us at Rethink Life Church. To learn more about our church, check out RethinkLife.com. Until next time, hey, we love you and believe the best is yet to come in your life.